Good morning. Well, it's good to have you with us here today. I am excited as we continue this, this series on serving, and I'm excited because we had an incredible week of Serve Week last week, and I'll tell you what, we uh, if you've never experienced Serve Week, I just want to encourage you. There were so many different ways to be able to serve. And I want to send out my thank you to Pastor Greg and the Convoy of Hope team that was here. Eight people. Yes, put your hands together. Greg recruited that team. Uh, They were all from the Missouri area, and they came, and they served alongside of us. And I'll tell you what, they did not have any quit in them. They worked so hard right alongside with us as we served the needs of our community in so many different ways. And I tell you, it was such a privilege. And we had so many conversations that happened as a result of Serve Week. We had, uh, we had conversations with township officials. We had, we had conversations with principals and janitors and people in the community that, that wanted to know, why are you doing this? We had one person ask us if we were getting paid for this service. And it was such a joy to be able to say, nope, we're just doing it because we love Jesus. In fact, one of them asked our team, why are you doing this? And she said, because I love Jesus. It was so great. What a great week. And I just, I'm so encouraged by that. And I want you to know if you're maybe new to Silver Creek Church, that we, we don't just serve each other, although I hope that all of your needs are met this morning as you're sitting here. I hope you've had a cup of coffee uh, already, and if not, you can have one a little bit later. I hope that you're, you're as comfortable as you can be in this room without air conditioning today. It's a little sweaty in here. I get it, um, but, but we, we want to serve each other, but that's not the only thing that we're doing. We want to serve those that are outside our church, so much so that Almost 20 years ago, God laid a vision on our heart of taking the church to the community. When we made the transition from our building out on M28 to this location, God planted within us the desire to take the church out beyond these walls. And one of those ways that we do that that's very important is through serving. So I want to invite you, if you're new to Silver Creek, I want you to serve. Come serve alongside us. Come do what we do. And I want to share just a couple of things because you see, I believe that that when we serve, we make a difference. And I want to invite you to make a difference with us. And, and God has laid this on our heart over the long haul. And I, I, you saw the, the announcement about Backpack SOS. Backpack SOS has been something that's it's been happening for, this is our 16th year of providing backpacks and school supplies to kids in our community. And it started out very humbly. It started out where we were able to, 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 to bring together 50 backpacks and the school supplies that were necessary for those 50 backpacks. But I want you to know that in the last five years, we've been able to give out 2,800 backpacks and school supplies. Now, when God gives us an idea, when God lays something on our hearts and we're obedient to it, 
I want you to know that it doesn't just start stop there. But what happens is it begins to move to other things. And so because of doing the, the backpacks and the school supplies, there was a natural movement into providing clothes for kids and for families. The first year that we did that, this room was filled with clothes that people from the community donated, and I was shocked. In fact, I was blown away because I asked, how is this going to happen? And I was told, well, we'll put, we'll put boxes throughout the community and people will just give clothing. They'll put clothing in those boxes. I said, I think you're crazy. I did. I'm just being honest. And there were 4,000, I counted them, 4,000 pieces of clothing in this room for people to take to just meet their needs. And out of that, the idea was presented and we said yes to what has obviously become a God thing. We call it Silver Creek Thrift. And that ministry touches lives every day that it's open. And it's open five days a week. And I'll tell you, the, the stories that we get are absolutely amazing. But soon after we started Silver Creek Thrift, someone had the idea, hey, let's give out winter clothes, winter jackets. Let's give away snow pants. Let's give away boots. And in the last five years, we've been able to give away over 1,500 coats, not to mention the, the, the snow pants, not to mention the boots. And that all came from an idea that was spawned because a staff person who worked at Silver Creek Thrift had that idea. And so without the backpacks, without that, there would never have been the idea for clothing, there, which means there wouldn't have been a thrift store, which meant we wouldn't have provided those jackets to the community, those coats to the community. Thousands, thousands have walked through the doors of that ministry. Let me tell you about one of them that was very recent. It was a, a woman, I received a phone call from a person that's a part of our church family, and they said, I've, I've just met somebody uh, that, that um, you know, applied for a job that I was advertising for. And this, this lady and her children are fleeing an abusive situation. And they have nothing but the clothes on their back. Can we help? And I said, yes, we can. I said, can I have the name of the person? I'll, I'll text our thrift store staff. That person can go into the thrift store and whatever they need, we'll, we'll, we'll meet that need. So I texted the thrift store staff and that afternoon, that lady was in the thrift store and the only thing that limited how much she received was the size of her vehicle because when she left, it was full. They couldn't fit any more in that vehicle. We are able to meet the needs of people in our community. A few years after that, another one of our staff members said, you know what, I, I, I went to this event in town where they handed out food and it's, a, it's an organization called Feeding America and I think we should get in on Feeding America. And so we began very slowly to participate in Feeding America over the first couple of years. Ten days ago, over 500 families received food here at our Feeding America event. 
as 50 volunteers, some from the church, some from the community, joined us. And since the start of COVID, we have been able to hand out over 372,000 pounds of food. Now, I'm I'm gonna read somebody's mind, but somebody in this place right now or someone that's listening online, you are thinking, wow, kind of bragging today, aren't you, Taylor? And I know that because when we talk about things that the church is involved in, there are those that, that, that they will take it that way. And, and if you're taking it that way, I want you to know you have the wrong idea about what I'm saying. And what I want to really communicate to you today is this. Here's, here's my point. It's possible to be part of Silver Creek Church and not serve but you've got to, we, we want to make it hard for that to happen. Let me say that again. You can be a part of Silver Creek Church and not serve, but we want to make it hard for that to happen. We want this church to have a culture of serving the needs of others. You say, Taylor, why, why in the, what's, what's the big deal about this? Tom Rayner of Lifeway Research says this, He said the most common factor in declining churches is an inward focus. You can't have an inward focus if you're serving other people. It's impossible. And so that that act of serving the needs of other people is so important for us. You see, an inward focus is about what I expect to get when I'm in church, instead of what I expect to give. That's a totally different perspective. So I wanna share with you this morning three things I think are gonna help us about being concerned about serving others rather than concerned about us being served. I wanna share three things that I think are gonna help us to be an outward-focused church. And the first one is this. Let's just get extreme. Let's just get extreme. I don't wanna, I don't wanna just dabble in the water. It's not, my, it's not my personality, okay? When we were young, I would, I would tell my wife, hey, honey, I'm thinking of this. And she would get nervous because it was always big. It was always grandiose. That's me, okay? When I wanna do something, when I'm gonna do something, I wanna do it all the way. So let's just get, let's get extreme here. Have you noticed how popular extreme sports have become? The ones that freak me out the most are like when people are, are, they're on a mountain bike and they're going down the ridge line of a mountain full board. You know what I'm talking about? And they have cameras on their helmets so we can watch how they die, you know. (laughs) But extreme sports is nothing new to the Upper Peninsula, okay? Nothing new. We've got a hill 15 miles from here that literally is named after losing your life. It's called Suicide Hill, and they've been ski jumping there since 1925. 
So, so extreme sports, nothing new. It's nothing new to our world. I mean, imagine, imagine you lived in Spain and you had this incredible idea. Hey, our streets are really narrow. Let's let a herd of bulls with long horns out of a truck and we'll run ahead of them in sheer panic. That sounds really fun. Today, it's really popular to do these ultra marathons where people run 50K or 50 miles or even 100 miles in the worst conditions on the planet. My, my running buddy, uh, he's going to do a full Ironman triathlon. 100 miles of biking. The first thing you do is you swim, and I think the swim is two miles long. You get out of the water, you put on your, your biking shoes, you jump on your bike, you bike 100 miles, you get off the bike, and you start running a marathon 26.2 miles. And he wants me to start doing this with him. <laughs> Got to pray about that. Hard. But we love, we love extreme stuff, don't we? Man, you see people that, that skydive. Have you, ever, have you ever done that before? I have not done that before. I've got one friend that they decided it would be a really great idea to skydive with, with their siblings. So we're going to celebrate an 18th birthday with siblings. So they go down to Green Bay and they, they get training. It's like six hours of training. And Imagine, um, now, now I think they, this was a few years ago, I think they've changed it a lot now. Now when you do this, they have a, a, an instructor who they strap to your back, okay, so that they're with you all the way through the jump. But this, when this was, this was you, you are all by yourself, okay? So you have to shimmy out. They, they open the door in the plane. You have to get out on the wing of the plane, okay? You've got your chute on, and you have to do one very important thing. Let go. It's a perfectly good plane, and you've got to let go. I want you to imagine seeing the earth come towards you at 120 miles an hour. That would be scary. They say that the sound is deafening because you're moving so fast that the wind going by your head, it's just, it's incredibly loud. And then when the chute opens, everything goes silent. And then you have this incredible sense of, of just excitement. You have this incredible sense of exhilaration. Except with my friend, only half the chute opened. Immediately, they were thrown into a spin because all the, the cords on that other side were all tangled up. And, and my friend said, I didn't pack the chute. Someone, an employee, packed the chute. And they begin to just be thrown into a spin. Everybody's wearing a radio, and the ground support is yelling 
stop that, quit it. You're, you gotta stop messing around. You're gonna get hurt. And they're just screaming and screaming at, at the person thinking they're messing around. They spin all the way to the ground. They landed a mile away from where they were supposed to land. Hit the ground in a potato field and broke their femur. It was a compound fracture. That would be an adrenaline rush that I don't personally care to have. Marie, I'm really glad you survived that, by the way. <laughs> that's, Marie's, that's Marie's story. She can tell it to you a little better than I can, but that's, that's what happened to her. I want you to know something, that people look at the gospel as unappealing because Jesus is all about love. Jesus isn't very extreme. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. People look at the church and they say, you know what, church and religion, it's, it's for women, it's for children, it's for weak men. It's, it, religion is a crutch and I don't need a crutch. They don't believe that Jesus can meet the need for their adrenaline rush. But I wanna tell you something, Jesus was the most extreme example that we've ever been given and I'm going to show you how and why. You see, Jesus turned the world upside down. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now I want you to think about this. The word even, when you, when you research that scripture, the word even, it means to the extreme. To the extreme. What that is telling us is that because he was the son of God, he should be served. So the fact that he is serving means even him, to the extreme. The greatest example, the most extreme example of anyone who should not be serving would be Jesus because he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he's the creator of the world, and even that extreme example of Jesus Jesus, he served others. And if Jesus came to serve, shouldn't we? You see, Jesus left a perfectly good heaven. Like Marie left a perfectly good plane. And I can imagine for a moment Jesus shimmying out, and that's Marie's word, she shimmied. She said she shimmied. Jesus shimmying out onto the, onto the wing of heaven and looking down and thinking, here I go. God the Father wanted me to leave heaven and here I go and he lets go. You say that's, no, he let go of heaven. He let go of his deity. He let go of all that made him who he was. And he was hurt. He literally fell to earth. And I, can you imagine the moment? And of course, when we're born or when we're conceived, we, we don't have any conscience, consciousness. But I can imagine him falling, thinking, letting go of heaven and waking up in a food trough in a barn. 
I mean, that's a thud. That's a thud bigger than landing in a potato field with a broken leg and the bone sticking out. Jesus came to earth. Imagine the shock. Imagine the awe that he experienced. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus. I want to be that extreme example of how we serve others. Number two, let's strive to become great. Now, let me ask a question. I think I know what the answer will be here. They say that, that if you're a lawyer, you should never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. I'm not a lawyer, so I can do this. How many of you want to be great? Okay, there's a couple hands, all right. A couple of you, you know. Why, why do we not all shoot our hands straight up in the air? You already am. You already are, thank you, Stan. <laughs> They say don't ask a question. No, that's that's perfect answer. I'm, I'm already great. We struggle. We struggle to to say I want to be great. We struggle. Just by the response that that we had here today. We struggle with that because we think that's prideful. And we want to be humble. So what that really means is we want to be great. We just don't want to tell anybody we want to be great. Ask it again. No, I already asked once. <laughs> Most of us were very uncomfortable admitting that. Let me, let me why do you go to college? Some, some people wish they would ask us that question again so that we could, we could change what we did back then. Why do we go to college? Why do we get a degree? Why do we get a cert, like a cert, certification for something? Why do we do those things? It's because we want to have opportunities to move up. We want to be able to make something of ourselves. We want to reach goals. I love hearing young people talk about the things that they want to accomplish later in life, and they're talking about them now as a young person who doesn't have any experience and doesn't know any better, and they just blurt it all out. I love that. But we want to rise through the ranks. We want to reach our goals. We want to advance. We want to get to the top because greatness is up and great people are up. I don't think you can argue with that. That is the way we think as a society. But can we really... Is this how we want to identify greatness? And can achieving greatness, can it ultimately help us to serve others? You might say, well, if I become great, people will listen to me. They'll do what I say. And I can, I can say things on behalf of God because I'm great and they will listen to that and ultimately God will get the glory. I, I've, I've run into people that, hey, God wants me to be successful so that others will look at me and God will get the glory. And I, I'm not comfortable with that definition of greatness. You see, 
I think there's a different definition, and Jesus gives that to us in Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28. It says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So Jesus' definition of greatness is different than our world's definition. So he must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a, as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus defines, he identifies what true greatness is. And it's not about being on top. It's not about being the best. It's not about being first. It's about serving. And to be an outward-focused church, we need to recognize the difference between the world's definition of greatness and Jesus' definition of greatness. Because when we die, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. We will not stand in judgment before the world by their definition of greatness. We will stand before Jesus Christ, and what we long to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your rest. So Jesus' definition is the one that really matters to us. So let's recognize that and let's strive to be the kind of great that Jesus wants us to be. And number three, let's consider it pure joy. Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight, Paul says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. How is this possible? How is it possible to have that attitude that is like Jesus. It's by making ourselves nothing, by serving other people, by following Jesus' example. He took on the form, the nature of a servant. James says it this way. He said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Paul said in Thessalonians that there is a joy in the midst of suffering. It, the Corinthian church, Paul said they were overflowing in their joy in severe trial. Psalm 100 in verse 2 in the New King James, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing. Friends, there's joy in suffering. There's joy in serving. And on a day like today, after we have served throughout this week, there's always a noticeable joy in the body of Christ because we served the way Jesus has called us to serve. Did you know that joy in serving is actually quantifiable by scientific research? Studies prove that those who serve and volunteer to meet the needs of others are 7% more joyful than those who don't. Now, 7%, you say, that's not very much. Would you like to have 7% return right now on your 401k? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's all a matter of perspective. 
More volunteering, more serving equals more happiness. That's not Kevin Taylor saying that. That's Forbes magazine saying that. When we serve the needs of others before ourselves, it produces joy in us. Paul says it this way to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Serving accompanied by cheer equals joy. Serving others produces joy. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we serve others, we can draw a line and say, I'm I'm actually stronger in Christ because I serve the needs of others. So today, in July, here in the UP, talking about serving, It's my prayer that Silver Creek Church will always be an outward-focused church. It is my prayer that you will always be a person who is outward-focused within the church. It is my prayer that you will be a person, you will always be a person who serves the needs of others, who is willing to take the church to the community. And I believe that God is going to use that to declare his glory to a lost world. Why do those people do that? And the same, the exact same thing that was asked of one of our team members this past week by a township employee, uh, a township employee, why do you do what you're doing? And her response was, because I love Jesus. That the world will see that we are following the example of our Savior, and he is the extreme example. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today to reflect upon what you have called us to as a church, to take the church to the community. And Father, I pray that that as we do that, that we will see those who come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, those who have been estranged from the body of Christ will come back. Lord, that, that those that, that have never felt like they've been an important part of a church family will, will feel that, 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 that joy of being part of it. And God, I pray that we will accept the call that you have placed upon us to serve the needs of others. God, we thank you today for all that you're doing, and we praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.